kind of keep track, look for spacesuits, smiley faces, that sort of thing, okay? So we'll talk a little bit more. So this is a little bit of our story. Um, so my wife is from upstate New York. If you look where those green and red arrows start, and then if you look where the orange one starts, I'm from the Philly area. So she went to school in Grove City, came back, and then do you guys have any idea where that green arrow might go? Who wants to guess? Good. What's that? Paris? No, that would be cool. Other guesses? London, Scotland, yes. So Hillary lived in Scotland for a year, moved back, and then went down to Nashville. I grew up in the Philly area, went to school at the University of Delaware. Hillary grew up and came to faith earlier in life, probably nine-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, I was converted. I grew up going to, some of you are familiar with the United Congregational Church, the UCC, which is kind of out there in terms of what it believes. And I was basically a relativist through that. And there was a ministry called Young Life, which reaches out to high school students. And I was going to some of their programs and went to a summer camp. And I remember there was a, at, at the camp, they kind of go through the basics, God, Jesus, sin, cross, resurrection. And when the guy, there's a guy who was talking about sin and he said that it's like herpes. It's this disease, and there are different manifestations of it, but you all have the same disease. And as a 17-year-old guy, there was some real connection to that. And I remember thinking, oh, wait, so maybe that's why Jesus had to die. So, so there are these stories and things that I knew, but they had never really come together. So I didn't realize it at that moment. But that, that's when God really started to change my life. And I started reading the Bible. And I remember the first time I prayed in public. I was so freaked out. And um, so, so that's where I grew up. That's where I'm from. Went to the University of Delaware to study biochemistry and biology. In the midst of that, God called me to ministry. And there's lots of stories I could tell, but we're not going until 2.30. So um, I moved to St. Louis to go to Covenant Seminary in 2003, as did my wife. Um, and we were a part of a church there in the city. That's kind of how we connected, and we got married in 2005, and in the background, some of you guys can kind of see this big, neat steeple. The church that we were part of was actually had roots in the 1860s and um, came into the PCA around 1980 and was able to keep their historic Gothic cathedral-type building because of this funny clause in the Constitution said, it had to belong to people who adhered to the Westminster Standards, which if you're familiar with Presbyterianism, those are some of the things that we believe. Um, so as a part of a, the church, that had a neat ministry in the city in a lot of ways that really prepared us for coming to New England. Uh, most of my life I had spent in secular environments. So when we came to St. Louis, the city itself, even though Missouri is kind of culturally warmer and friendlier and people drive slower, then here, when, when we moved there, people would slowly let you merge, and I had no idea what you were supposed to do, um, because I just was expecting everybody goes fast, and you have to, you just have to figure it out, but people were kind, and I just, I wasn't sure what to do with it. So, um, being in the city, though, it was much more kind of secular, non-Christian, and its outlook, and coming out of seminary, we said, yeah, we wanted to go to a place that was more like that, and Lord willing, wanted to be near our families because there are a lot of non-Christians in both sides of our families. And um, God called us to Connecticut to work with um, Christ Community, which had been planted there about three or so years before we came. And part of the deal was that we had to raise 40% of our salary for three years, and the senior pastor would do 60. 
And at that point in life, I had raised around $200 and um, was a little intimidated, but God was saying, yeah, this is what you need to do, and I couldn't say no. Um, so we came, and God provided, and it was neat. It was a wonderful time. We had our two children there, and uh, the plan was that the church would kind of take us on after three or so years of fundraising, and it looked like that was going to happen, but then financially it didn't work out. I was an assistant pastor there and needed to be let go in 2011. So I did a mix of things. That's me planting a tree with my garden care manager, Garth. And um, I was in landscaping, did some substitute teaching, pulpit supply, really wanted to stay in New England. And um, you know, we were willing to go elsewhere, and we were kind of looking around. There were probably four or five things that seemed really close, and then God just kind of shut the door on all of those, and we're like, God, what are you doing? Um, so we had a child, a second child in the midst of that, had a house, a mortgage, and God provided for us in wonderful ways. So that's kind of the quick first, uh, you know, 27, no, 31 years of my life. And, um, oh, whoops, there we go. Little smiley face for those of you guys who are watching. Um, so, what brought us to Worcester is uh, Trinity Presbyterian Church. So, Trinity is in Providence. There, they were kind of restarted there out of a dying Presbyterian church on the eastern edges of the city. Restarted downtown in the uh, late '90s, and part of their DNA is to help plant new churches. Uh, one of the neat things they that building on the left that looks kind of like a factory office. That's where they have their worship space, which is right there in the middle. There used to be a highway, for those of you who know, a highway that cut through the city of Providence. And eventually they removed it. And the church knew that this was going to happen, bought an old factory building under the highway, which you can imagine you could get kind of cheap. And there were architectural, industrial engineers there who basically redesigned the whole space. So it kind of has this neat feel. And Trinity... It says, you know, part of our thing is to help plant new churches. So in like 2003, 2004, they started one down towards the beaches in Kingston, Rhode Island. And they were getting ready to do another one. And they said, we want somebody to come on as a church planting fellow. And I said, I'd like to be a fellow. Uh, what does that involve? And um, basically, you have half your time working at the church, just doing pastoral ministry stuff, getting a feel for each other. And then the other half of the time, laying the groundwork for a, a new church to start. And the parameters were go about 45-minute radius of Providence. And that way it's close enough for Trinity to help, to be a part of it, far enough way to reach a new set of people. And um, my wife and I have a heart for cities and urban areas. And it just makes sense to kind of target bigger populations and Cities are strategic in different ways. So the two main places that we were looking at is New, or were, were New Bedford and Worcester. So who knows anything about New Bedford? Anybody know anything about New Bedford? Go for it. Okay. I don't know who she is. Yes. All right. Who else? Yeah. Yeah. Very Portuguese. What else? Whaling. Yes, so whaling, so New Bedford was called the City of Light. And that's because there was so much oil coming in from Wales that they had the, the lights burning all the time. I think that's what it was. So there's this historic wealth there. I mean, there are just some beautiful parts of it. But with the collapse of the fishing industry, you know, very hard times. Um, you know, so some really kind of interesting things about New Bedford. And 
considered it, made some neat connections, but in different ways felt like God was leading us to Worcester. And so the goal was I'm working half with Trinity, doing different stuff, all the random things that pastors do. You say, what do pastors do outside of preach? There are lots of other things. You can talk to Matthew or Jerry about that. And um, then laying the groundwork. So as we're, we're learning more and more about Worcester, we're saying, yeah, this is, this is kind of where God is calling us to. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about why. The, two of these pictures, so those are our two children asleep. Right now we are in Worcester and we drive to Providence for church and that's what they do on the way home, hopefully. Or they're just really grumpy in the afternoon. And uh, 146 is the main corridor that connects those. And then in the background, you can kind of read cursive writing underneath that. There's a picture of Isaiah Thomas. He is the guy who printed those first Bibles and um, dictionaries. So Worcester, uh, a you heard a little bit about its history. These are, this is the thing that I put together for the session for the elders in Providence saying, why Worcester? And, and a little bit of its story told you about its, its history. It's the second biggest city in New England of 181,000 people. It's going to continue to grow based on population projections. Um, it's pretty ethnically diverse. That's white folks, Latino, African-American, and Asian are actually black because there are a lot of Africans. The second biggest, I think it's the second. So it goes Brazilians, Ghanaians, Vietnamese in terms of immigrant groups and foreign-born. So it's really diverse. There are about a dozen uh, colleges, universities connected to the city with around 35,000 students. Um, it's predominantly Roman Catholic, and a lot of that is nominal. I did this interesting thing where if you actually chart out you know, how many people are quote-unquote Catholic and how many Catholic churches there are, and if everybody were involved, then every Catholic church in Worcester would have at least 500 members in it. Um, so if you know anything about local Catholic churches, that's not the case. Um, other things... Economics, Worcester is a lot like the rest of Massachusetts, except there's more poor people. Um, that makes sense because of cities, but also in Worcester, uh, Massachusetts's largest transitional government-subsidized housing sites are in Worcester. One is called Great Brook Valley. It has 1,000 units, and that is primarily single moms and their kids or grandparents and their grandkids. So if you can imagine, and then there are a couple other ones scattered. There's one just south of us called Lakeside that has 250 units. So you can imagine how that will kind of shape the economic and some of the social issues in the city. So that, that's a little bit about Worcester. Yes, monkey wrenches, they were first begun there. And then if you see, there's a spacesuit hiding on here. Um, why, why Worcester? Why, why do we feel like God was, was calling us there? Um, there's just a ton of need. When I was first laid off, I was talking with a guy who oversees church planning for another evangelical denomination in New England, and he also works abroad in missions. And he said, so, okay, missiologists, people who study missions, when they talk about a people group being reached, he said that there, there needs to be one indigenously led, that means, you know, kind of by people from there who, who have kind of entered the culture, indigenously led gospel preaching church per thousand people for that group to be considered reached. So if you applied those stats to Worcester, there would need to be around another 160 or so gospel preaching indigenously led churches 
for Worcester to be considered reached. There, there's this incredible lack of Christian presence in the city. You'll see some churches kind of more around the outside edges, kind of country suburbs, but just very little happening in the city. And even more particularly, this isn't even talking about theological distinctives of being Reformed or Presbyterian or, or anything like that. This is just basic Christian. And what, what's also really interesting that a lot of the churches that are growing and thriving in Worcester are predominantly in immigrant and ethnic communities. So there is a subset of the population that is being more reached, but if you look at the predominant culture, there's even less of a Christian presence there. So, so Worcester is, is really needy. It's also um, super strategic in that it's second biggest city in New England. Just lots and lots and lots of people there. Um, you also have this great diversity where if God brings together different sorts of folks, both ethnically, you have the poor, you have the rich, you have the educated, you have the not, and all the things associated with that, it's a wonderful opportunity for God to demonstrate that it's actually the gospel that brings the people together, not cultural similarity. Out of all of the students who are in Worcester, there's this interesting stat where about, oh, I think 40-ish percent end up living in Worcester County. So out of these 30-some thousand students who cycle through Worcester, 40% of them live in the county. Right now, I think there are around 20,000 alums in the city of Worcester and around 70,000 in the county. The other neat thing is that the majority of students who attend Worcester come from Central Mass, Massachusetts, and New England. So who are we talking about? We're talking primarily about people who are not Christians. So, so again, there, there's a strategic opportunity to kind of connect with folks who aren't believers and that more than, you know, if you're ministering in Boston, they'll stick around. So, so there's some real strategic things happening there. And, and other than that, when we, were, when we were networking and learning about Worcester, I was meeting with uh, different pastors and saying, so what is God doing in the city? What's your sense of the spiritual climate? And um, they were saying, well, hey, you know, there seems to be this thing happening in immigrant, ethnic communities, little storefront churches popping up throughout the city. And otherwise, you have your general kind of mainline Catholic decline. And um, when, when they said that, it reminded me of something that I heard about through other Presbyterian pastors, part of the Presbyterian, called the Quiet Revival in Boston. And if you haven't heard about this, this goes about 15, 25 years or so, where folks in Boston were seeing all these kind of immigrant, storefront, ethnic, minority, poor churches popping up throughout the city. And more Anglo, Protestant guys were looking at this and being like, whoa, God is really doing something. And maybe New England isn't dead and hard. Or maybe it's hard, but it's not dead. And there's been this boom of church planting in Boston. So if you look back about 25 years ago from now, there were around 300 churches in Boston then. There are around 600 now. And the majority of that has been in you know, poor, immigrant, ethnic, and, you know, more evangelical, faithful to the scriptures, that that's where this is happening. And it's also happening in Presbyterian circles and other settings. And looking at this, I was saying, you know, maybe God is doing a similar thing in Worcester. 
And as we moved there, one of the great things to learn was if you look back a few years and look forward a few years, there's you know, at least a dozen new churches being planted. There are about a half dozen new campus workers who have moved into the city, and it just seems like God is doing something, and that's a little bit of what we're a part of. Uh, one, one of the other reasons why we chose Worcester is that in different ways there was affinity. When I was being laid off in Connecticut, I, I read something or heard someone say, you know, look where God has used you before and, and try to end up in similar situations with similar people. And uh, West Hartford is really educated. That's just what the town is like. And when I looked around in you know, our community group leaders and families and non-Christians that we connected with, it was totally represented there. And, and that's a part of Worcester. And then I also worked in a blue-collar setting for two years, landscaping, and that's definitely a part of Worcester. Um, the arts, sciences, outdoors are all interests of mine, and those are all significant populations in Worcester. And then last of all, there were folks from Trinity who go to church in Providence, but who live along that 146 corridor and have connections there. And it seemed like God was, was doing something there as well. So in these different ways, we're like, you know what? God is taking us to Worcester. So we moved there uh, at the end of the summer. So that's where we live. We're on the first floor. And uh, we were praying that God would give us a place that's in the inner ring of the city, that we could have a bunch of people over, that it would be a home or apartment where diverse folks feel comfortable coming, and God has totally given us that. Um, it's this neat, long room. That's our daughter lying in one of the built-in bookshelves. Um, she thought that was kind of fun when we were checking it out, and that's Sigmund Freud, who we mentioned earlier. Um, and the fun thing is, is we could have you know, 40 to 50 people in our apartment, and it works. And that's definitely God's providence, and it's a little crazy, but we were starting to, to gather some folks for a Bible study because God was giving us this momentum, and we talked to the elders, and we said, hey, we don't have our funding all the way in place yet. We're working on it, but it seems like God's doing something. Let's just, can we just start a Bible? And this Bible study, they said, yeah, go for it. And we we're starting to add it up. We're like, oh, wow, there could be like 45 people here. And um, fortunately not, everyone has always been there on the same time, so it's, it's worked out. But God has really given us a house that's worked. We're, we're five minutes walking distance from one of the colleges, so I go and work in the library there sometimes. Um, this is uh, where our son goes to preschool. We are kind of scrambling to find a place, so he ends up going to the Jewish Community Center, and they have a great preschool. And there have been some neat relationships that we've been able to form, and uh, at the orientation, I was talking to some lady, and she said, well, hey, yo, does your wife work, or what's going on? Because, you know, I'm there in the middle of the day. And uh, well, I was explaining, well, hey, I'm a pastor, and, or I actually said minister, because people tend to get that a little bit more uh, with the congregational history. And uh, she, she says, well, what's your church? So I try to explain what we're doing, and she says, well, hey, could I maybe be a part of your congregation? And I was like, okay. And um, so she's come a little bit to some of our Bible studies and then has faded out and we're still in contact trying to, to you know, reach out to her and her son. Um, so in, in God's providence, there have been these different things that have kind of happened. And this is me. I've set up my office in different parts of the house. There's this little sign hanging under computer, my computer that says, stop in big letters, dad, working. Um, so, so there are these interesting things that you just try to make work. Another one of my 
spots where I work is at a coffee shop. This is the other day. And um, I've gotten to know some of the regulars there, and uh, it's been really fun. I was talking to this one, these two guys about our church name, because we were trying to figure out, God, what, what should our church name be? And coming up with a list and running those by people. And he said, oh, hey, I really like Grace Redeemer, um, because, you know, there are a lot of people in the city who, who, you know, their lives are kind of broken, and they need redemption. And he's like, not, not, not either of us, but, you know, people in Worcester. And, um, it's, you know, it's, that's where people are, and it's, it's really good. Um, this is what you said, Ski Mountain, which is about a half hour from where I am. And um, the funny thing is, I think probably I've been skiing like six or seven times because I got the midweek season pass. And all those except one have been with people connected to our Bible study. And, and if you think about it, most guys around here, you're, you're like, hey, could we just sit down and have a deep conversation for like an hour, hour and a half? And that, that doesn't really fly so well. But if you say, well, hey, let's, let's go skiing together, and you talk on the chairlift up, and, and just trying to find ways of what avenues does God give to connect with people, to build relationships, to reach out. And um, it's, been, it's been really fun. This is, so I... I'm trying to keep track of things, and I have whiteboards filled with stuff, and then I take pictures of them because I have to leave the house and go work somewhere else. And, you know, I'm reading books, and these are just a little bit of the portraits of my life and ministry. So um, that's a rocket, and what we're doing right now, still raising money, have about 16000 to go for 2014. Um, when we came to Worcester, when you plant a church, there are three ingredients. The Bible shapes it all, but the three ingredients are who are the leaders, what is the place, and what folks is God kind of connecting you to. And, and in light of who God has meant the church to be, with these specific constraints, we say, who are we as a church? So that's what we were thinking about. We're connected to different people. Um, and we started to do a Bible study on the skeleton. Now, what, what are the things that give us strength and shape and su- support? That's what your skeleton does. And talking about you know, the, the gospel, about being a whole person renewed in Christ, about friendship. That's how Jesus describes salvation, knowing God, having a new relational world, facing outward, and then caring about the city. Those, those were the five things we talked about. And through this, we have, so leadership, that's my wife and I, um, we have a core group that is gathered from, these are IBs, interested believers. And in doing this Bible study with interested believers, a core group has formed that says, yeah, we want to be a part of that. And then we have these broader contacts of other interested believers who aren't committed yet and are non-Christians. And this is, these are the levels of contacts that we're working with, we're meeting together, and working to build the church. So that's how we kind of ended up with a name, Grace Presbyterian Church, through talking to uh, different people. We have a friend working on graphic design, figuring out which is which, and um, trying to articulate what is our mission. Every church basically has the same thing, the Great Commission. But, but you say, what is it specifically for us? It's something like this, to become a church where, where people become wholehearted followers of Jesus, pursuing the glory of God and the good of the city. And then now what we're looking at specifically is how, how are we going to go about this? From people who are around the church, who are around Christians, who actually enter 
through faith in Christ who follow him and then end up bearing one another's burdens, engaged in God's mission. To say, how do we engage and pull people along for all sorts of different places in this process? So that is what we're working on right now. Now we have a core group, uh, you know, probably 25, 30-ish people meeting weekly, talking about direction, providing pastoral care, prayer, training. Our goal is to be a healthy group of Christians with a clear sense of identity and destiny. Identity, who God wants us to be, destiny, what he's uniquely called us to do in the city. Um, we're networking, getting to know folks, laying the groundwork for outreach, still working with Trinity some, worshiping there, teaching there, and then communicating with supporters around the country and continuing to learn and do training. Um, if you want to know more, uh, if you want to participate, we do monthly prayer updates, and I do a weekly blog. Uh, you can sign up for it. I have written info here. Um, there you go. Sign up with a pen. Made in Worcester. Um, if you know folks in Worcester, New England's a small world. People have been around. And these neat connections continue to emerge. Um, also, if you want to give, you know, we're still raising money. It's ridiculous how much it costs to plant a church in New England. But the goal is to do it and to be around for a while. You know, around $430,000 we're around 16 away from where we are for 2014. And just by being a faithful part of Redeemer, you guys are a part of this. And that's awesome. So that is my time. I can totally talk for a couple more hours. Love to share stories. Thank you. Questions, we might be all done. Jerry. I do? Oh, hey. Perfect. So what we'll do then is I'm never, I don't know what it was. But growing up, I always had a digital watch, so I was, I've always been terrible with the ones, with the actual hands. So I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, talk faster, talk faster, talk faster. And so what I'd love to do is answer any questions, and now I can tell a couple more stories. So um, do you guys have questions? It's hard when someone talks for like 40 minutes, and then you say, what questions do I ask? So I'll, what, go ahead, in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So right now we have four-ish college students kind of connected to our core group in different ways, some more committed and in and others checking things out. So we've done a few activities, and after next, yeah, the next two weeks, I'm kind of traveling with, like, fundraising and some stuff, and the plan is to get together and talk about starting an evangelistic Bible study. So one of the really neat stories of God working ahead of us, um, some of you will be familiar with RUF. It's, it's called Reform University Fellowship. It's the campus ministry of the PCA. There was a guy who was a participant in RUF at UConn who came to faith this past summer and then transferred to Assumption, which is one of the colleges in Worcester. So he and I have been getting together, meeting, you know, doing discipleship type stuff, encouragement, figuring out the, the Christian life. So he's been one of the guys who's been coming to our meetings and is excited about growing in his faith, has never really been a part of a church before and um, definitely has a heart for his lost friends. So, yes, we don't know exactly how that'll play out, but we've got some pieces there. And one of the reasons we came to Worcester is that 
just historically have had a great time working with college students. It's a population that we kind of get each other, and I look young enough where it, that, it helps. It's a bridge. So definitely, good question. Yes, we would definitely like to find a place other than my house. Um, because it's, it's fun, but it's also a little crazy, and there's a lot of dishes afterwards. Because um, we usually do a meal as well, and that's one of the really neat things. Everybody brings stuff, and we, the, the neat thing, uh, you couldn't see it in the picture, but we have this long set of windows on one side and on the other back behind me of our house, and there's a built-in bench there. So in a lot of ways, like God just set us up, so we... Uh, my wife grew up in a rural setting, and there's the old table from the family farm, which you can put like, I don't know, four leaves in it or something. So you can seat a dozen people there. You can seat you know, close to a dozen people along the bench and around the table. But we do want to get out of the house. And the, the plan, our, our trajectory is the, the fall, I think, seems reasonable for starting a public worship service. And, and there are different factors that play in it, but, but I think it's reasonable. And until then, what we're working on right now is really building this deep sense of identity and destiny, training Christians in how you disciple people, how we will, you know, what our outreach looks like, what does it mean to be a church that, that has a, a valid mercy focus, whatever that looks like, um, so that we, you know, we're assuming that God is going to work and praying that he will work. And it'd be silly to have nothing in place, and then all of a sudden God works, and I'm like, what do I do? So our, our big focus is really on developing this core group, which is kind of at a set size, and then really kind of working with non-Christians because evangelism here takes a while. But as we try to gather interested believers into something more and pull non-Christians in, that's when we'll really need to get more out of our house. So this, let's see, the first Saturday in February, we had a, you know, a prayer meeting and... Uh, was able to rent a space from one of the churches in the area. And basically once a month, we're going to meet three Sunday nights and then one Saturday morning for two and a half hours. And those, when we have longer, more intentional times of training and prayer, we'll have those out and then start to do things kind of out and about in the community. The great thing is um, there are a lot of church buildings in Worcester, and so far God has given us connections. Um, there's a ministry called... Barnabas Ministries that works with pastors and, and want to encourage and, and equip them. And one of their things is uh, called John 17 Groups. So I meet with four other pastors in Worcester, uh, an independent guy, a Baptist, a Greek Orthodox, and a Christian Missionary Alliance. And we meet twice a month and we pray for each other, we do accountability, and we study the scriptures. And through that, there are these different guys who, you know, there are options like, hey, if you need to meet at our place sometime, feel free. So, or, you know, pay a little bit of money to cover heating and feel free. Um, so, so, yeah, so we definitely do want to head there, and we kind of have some pieces built in, and we'll just need to see how that plays out. One of the things that eventually we'll have to decide, look, is it better to meet on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings? And Worcester is heavily Catholic, so meeting other than a Sunday morning isn't that weird. And thinking about college students where the morning might not be the best time. And also, we want to meet in the city. And because of that, 
there just might be more available in the evening. So we're going to kind of figure that out as we go along. Good question. Other questions? Yeah. Uh, Worcester State is walking distance, and then WPI and Clark are about mile and a half, maybe. And then Holy Cross is uh, 10, maybe 15 minutes. And then other ones, it depends. Becker is also about a mile away. What's that? Clack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm going to become that local, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, other questions? Okay, great. Well, I'll, uh, I'll tell, yeah, two more stories and then give you a few things that you guys could pray for us and we can spend the last two minutes praying. Uh, one, one of the neat reasons why we, part of why we ended up in Worcester was the sense of God is already working there. Uh, one of the guys at our church in Providence, family lives along the 146 corridor. He and his wife have both worked in Worcester at different times. He was a welder there for about 20 years. And uh, maybe eight years ago, one of his coworkers came to faith in Christ through his witness. Worked the second shift, never really part of a church, lived on the other side of the city. And we eventually got connected, had dinner, hung out a few times, so um, he and his son have been coming to our Bible studies, and this is the first time he's ever really done something like this, wants to be a part of the church, is reaching out to his family, and it's just, it's exciting. It's just exciting seeing somebody who's, you know, kind of pieced it together, meandered along, but, but never really been under personal, you know, you can listen to things on the radio, you can watch things on the TV, but it's not the same. And we're not just minds, we're bodies, and we're meant to be in connection with other people, learning and growing together. So that's, that's been awesome. Uh, another neat story, our realtor, there's a pretty sizable Jewish population in Worcester. So our realtor is a secular Jewish woman, and you know, I've gotten to be friends with her a little bit. She came to our open house, she helped us find an apartment. So I was saying, well, hey, can I sit down with you and just talk to learn more about the community? Because realtors know the city, and she's trying to get people to live in Worcester. And um, we ended up having this great, long conversation uh, about Christian spirituality and about, you know, she talks about praying. And, and I was saying, and, you know, kind of this idea, well, can't we all just get along? And I pray, and you pray. And was basically able to say, well, hey, in the first century, you see the Jewish world dividing along this person. And basically saying all the hopes of Israel are fulfilled in this guy and making these incredible claims and people worshiping him. And, and the big difference is that, you know, when you think about praying, is about a mediator. Is that I, I need somebody, I just can't go to God. <laughs> that I, I need a mediator. And, and talk about Leviticus 16, Yom Kippur, this, this day of atonement where a high priest puts his hands on a goat and one is killed and one is driven away. And that there is a sense in which the ruin of our souls, the corruption in our lives, that needs to be dealt with. And, and that Christians uniquely believe that Jesus did this. So, and, you know, at the end, she's not like, well, I'm never talking to you again. It was, you know, it was this neat conversation. And 
she's looking at me like, huh, I don't totally know what to make of this. You're not really weird and crazy, but I don't, I definitely don't hear this. And, and there are these great ministry opportunities. The last story, I was talking to a guy who, uh, if you're familiar with the four C's, it's a conservative Christian denomination, uh, congregational, planting churches, and the guy who oversees it, and he and I were talking, and we were praying together, and he said, yeah, Lord, this is hard work, church planting in Worcester, but in some ways, it's so easy. It's just like shooting fish in a barrel. All you're doing is bumping into people who aren't Christians, and that's the tension. In some ways, it's so hard. In other ways, it's so easy because, like Jerry said, the gospel is the power of God. So if you're going to pray for us, here are the things to pray for. Um, you can get more on our updates. Pray that our group would have a God-given sense of identity and destiny. All sorts of faithful ways to be the church, but who are we uniquely called to be, shaped by what we're uniquely called to do in the city. Um, so that would be one thing. The other thing, just pray for the Holy Spirit to work. Um, people, I can't convert people. People can't convert themselves. God definitely can. Uh, also, that needs to happen in the church for us to say, well, hey, let's, let's be a part of a church that is here to serve our neighbors, our friends, our families who are not yet believers. And there's always this inertia, this momentum that says, well, I want to take care of myself. <laughs> and God does take care of us. And, and we do need to have healthy spirituality in the church. But, but pray, so pray for identity and destiny and pray for the work of the Holy Spirit within us and through us. Okay, so if one or two of you guys, just guys, gals, you know what I mean. If one, one or two of you just want to pray for us and then we're actually at 1030 now. So that, that'd be great.
Yes, Father, we ask that you would extend your kingdom because you are worthy of worship, because you are God and there is no other. So you tell us that the knowledge of the Lord will fill this earth as the waters fill the sea. And we long for that day. Strengthen us as your servants. Fill us with your spirit, work in this world. Do the things that we cannot, but use us. Bless us as as we worship you. Draw many, even now, to worship you in, in this place and throughout the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Last thing, website, lifethroughthevalley.org, and I have info, so just come up and ask for it. Thank you.